Awesome. So welcome into Size Eyes, the Casually Profound series. Um, we're going to take a, a different page here from than what we've done, or at least a continuation of what we've done before. Uh, this is what we've dubbed right now as digressions and dialogues. Yes. Um, I thought you were going to wait until the end to oh, well, bring that name up, but there we, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, well, working, well, working name. Yes, our working name. If, if anyone has any suggestions, you are strongly encouraged to let us know. Yeah, so we'll see how many digressions and how much of a dialogue many. we have. Um, but if you first time on the podcast here, um, this is Adam Kamak. Uh, we go back many, many moons, many years uh, to University of Texas and the Creekside Cavaliers uh, residence. So um, that we believe this is your first, fifth time on the podcast. Yes, this, um, is, this is the fifth time. We've recorded in Texas twice, uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. We are now in beautiful uh, Forsyth Park in Savannah, Georgia, um, which makes that the fifth episode and the fourth overall state that we've recorded in. And we hope to be recording in all 50 states by the classic state model of the United States and potentially more depending on what site you may be using like Ryanair or Delta when you're booking. So we may probably get to that at some point. Those have 58 and 62 states. <laughs> um, but by the standard 50 state model, we want to be hitting all 50 uh, in our lifetime and hopefully soon. <laughs> yes. No, th this is not intended to be a decades long project of recording at all 50. Uh, and I should just clarify because it's a, an inside joke among us. Uh, but I've gone to buy plane tickets within the last year or so on both Ryanair and Delta, where when I go to submit my payment information and it asks for my mailing address, uh, the drop down menu for state after selecting United States has had more than 50 entries. In the case of Ryanair, 58, and in the case of Delta, 62. So that's, that's what we're referencing there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this time we've always uh, alternated who's hosted the podcast. So uh, with no further ado, Adam, I'm going to hand it over to you and we'll see where this yeah, discussion, well, dialogue goes. Yeah, I wouldn't say we've always alternated because uh, three and four, I believe you hosted both of those. Um, but we are back to at least uh, alternating for now. Um, so thank you, uh, you know, as always for this opportunity. Uh, so there, I'm sure, are a large number of topics that we'll be covering here today. Um, but I want to start down a similar path to what we've talked about previously at the beginning of our episodes before we get off on wild tangents. Uh, the first time I was on as a guest, and then when I guest hosted the second time, uh, the question was variations of who do others think you are? And included uh, in those and in conversations since have had sort of a related question of who you are, um, how, you know, how you see yourself. So you know, as we are in periods of transition in our own lives, and we'll get into this more, I'm sure, as the conversation goes on, um, but it follows to ask the question, who do you want to become? So again, we will go down many rabbit holes. There will be many tangents that we discuss. There will also probably be some itching as bugs crawl at us, so that's all part of the joy. Uh, but let's just start there and see I'm talking 
a little longer to give you an, uh, to give you extra time to think about this. Isn't it kind of me? Um, but who do you want to become? Mm. Who do I want to become? I want to become... I guess I should preface this with something yeah. that I'm sure has come up in our conversations, but you know, given our relatively young age and our own personal ambitions and aspirations, we're very much works in progress, I guess you could say, right? There are a lot of things that we aspire to do and maybe habits and traits that we aspire to have that uh, we, I think each of us would probably agree, do not currently have, right? So this is a very, very much a growth sort of mindset. So yeah. who, who do you want to become? I want to become a more empathetic leader. I want to become a coach who knows what they're doing. I want to become a jack of all trades, master of several. I want to become a country and world traveler. I want to become just a, a good person. I think I'm on the right track. And if I can continue becoming a better good person, a gooder person. <laughs> a gooder person. <laughs> yes, that, that's... Um, that could be the title for this. <laughs> no, <laughs> refuse. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my goal. Just, just become a, a better and better version of myself because no one's going to become perfect. So if I just become, if I realize more of my potential, then I think that's, that's what the game is. Okay. Um, so maybe, uh, I guess maybe let's turn this into a bit of a lightning round. Um, I'm sure that we will go into variations of these topics in a little more detail. Uh, but before we do that, let's just maybe spend like 60, 90 seconds where you talk about what each of these things mean to you. Uh, and then we can get bogged down in the weeds and go off on tangents. And I do want to shift away from this sort of stilted interview style. I feel like this is a very 60 minutes ask and we'll make it more conversational as we go along as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. But um, you said more empathetic leader. So maybe again, 60, 90 seconds. What would that look like? An empathetic leader to me, I think like... Le leader of what, empathetic how? Right. Um, I think I put people first. Um, I think like normally I've always kind of thought about processes or systems or um, efficiency, uh, things like that to make a business better or to make the team better. Um, and I'm only starting to think about, only now I'm starting to think about, in the end, business, businesses are made of people, systems are made of people, people do processes. So it's all about leading, uh, if it's a leading a business, leading an organization, leading a mission, a purpose, whatever it is, leading myself, leading my own life. It starts with people first. So if I can understand people, then I can understand how to, everything else will fall into place in terms of processes, systems, whatever. So I would just say putting people first is really the biggest piece of 
of being an empathetic leader because you can have a leader who doesn't have as much empathy who can have the right idea who can have be a visionary a true visionary but they may not have the ability to inspire people to take action on that vision so and then when times come when there's tough decisions to be made tough conversations to be had i I want to be in those rooms. I want to have those conversations. I'm only now trying to have those conversations personally and professionally. So, and, and that has allowed me to grow. That has allowed me to grow empathy. That has allowed me to grow, how do I approach the situation where I don't burn bridges, where I don't, um, like I still want to be friends and good, uh, you know, if it's a reference that I need at some point, right? It's not because of that, but um, just having more understanding for just because I'm leaving a company, for example, is not just a reason for me to, all right, I'm done here, even though I'm still being paid by them. Um, so I think th that's something that I've learned recently and want to become a more empathetic leader in my own right. Okay. The next thing you mentioned is coach who knows what they're doing. So for anyone who is not familiar with your work, what do you coach? Uh, in what ways would you say you don't know what you're doing and what would it mean to know what you're doing? <laughs> um, well, so I think a slight rephrasing of the question, I think who do I coach is a, is a question that, that I would want to answer rather than what I coach. Okay. Um, so I coach right now people who, young professionals, let's call it 20 to 30 years old, who need some clarity in their career and their community. So someone who doesn't know what they're doing or wants to find more purpose in how they make an income, they can come to me since I've been in that position and am kind of in that position now. And then community after college, maybe during, even during college, but especially afterwards, and especially if you move to a new city, it can be daunting moving to a new place, making new friends, making new connections that actually resonate instead of just like, acquaintances that you meet a few times every few months. So that's who I coach. How do I, um, you know, how do I not know what I'm doing is the question that's implied by my previous answer. Yes. I, like, I'm, it, I'm, I'm, yeah. And just to be clear, you said this, I know, not I know. me. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you dug this hole. Um, I mean, I'm figuring things out. I'm like, I think if you ask anyone who's been doing something for less than a year that they want to be doing for years and years, they've probably, they'll probably tell you they haven't figured everything out. So that's where it comes from. I've been doing this for less than a year, for six to eight months. So I would say when I know, okay, when I can diagnose a an issue or a situation that someone is in quicker and quicker, that's when I know I can feel like I'm getting better at uh, knowing, you know, what to do when. It's like, okay, this person, so for example, let's say I have um, a client who is going through, like, who wants to uh, put better community around them, better social circles, right? The first time I may have done it, it may have taken me a couple of calls to understand that or an hour or hour and a half of thinking to say, hey, what are the things that I can do to help them out? 
right? And then I would bring that up on the next call or in the session notes afterwards. If I have just continued repeating that process five, six times, then that sixth client that I do something similar for, I can diagnose that issue and I'll be like, oh, apply this thinking or this mindset or this framework to in that call itself. And that time delay goes from a week or an hour and a half of my own time investment down to you know, that same call, which is a few minutes or the next response that I say. So that's, that's like a tangible way of saying, oh, this, I know what I'm doing because I've seen these situations before. Okay, so the next, that you, the next thing you mentioned was jack of all trades, master of several. So of which trades do you want to be a jack, so to speak, and which ones would you like to master? Mm. Uh, I mean, I feel like, like I, I would say I'm a jack of marketing right now, of owning, a, like being a coach, uh, like some artist, like writing, a content creator, chess. Um, so, I mean, those are the ones that come to mind that I'm uh, tennis, ping pong. Those are things that like, I'm probably, I'm better than the average person, but I'm definitely, you can tell that I'm not actually trained in it. You could tell that, okay, person who's actually spends hours and hours practicing ping pong a day versus when they play me, I would lose 11-0, right? I'd be lucky to get a point versus me versus someone who, you know, the casual person, I'd, I'd probably beat them, right? So like I'm good enough, I'm above the norm, but versus someone who actually masters it, you know, I'm not there. Um, now for things that I would want to be a master at, I would say being a leader, there's many different in interpretations. I think one is like the empathetic side of it that we, we talked about. I think one is also going from idea to execution in as short a time as possible. I think that is displays leadership as well. So like I have this idea, how can I delegate, execute myself, um, automate, whatever it is to get that idea into reality as quickly as possible and potentially, and then if it needs delegation or people involved, how do I inspire people to take action as well? Um, so I, I would want to match, if I can master that, then it doesn't matter what idea is put as the input, the output will yield lots of results. Um, and I think like energy management, time and energy management, um, being a master at that, like every minute, doesn't even need, I'm not a, you know, this is not toxic productivity, but Every minute that I'm doing something intentionally, that's that's if I can be a master of intentional time spent, then that's that's the goal. And if I want to be resting and napping for an hour, then that's intentional. And if I that's what I want, then let me nap to the best of my ability. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Country and world traveler. Ah. Well, so, I feel well, like we've chatted about this. We, we have a little bit. Give like, I don't know, 60 seconds on what, <laughs> yeah. your, what your goals would be. 60 there. minutes, you said. Uh, 
Um, yeah, 60 minutes as a proper noun, not as a directive. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want to. I want to travel the country first. I want to travel and see places like we are. Never been to Savannah. Um, learn the history behind it, and know the context behind where we're standing. What was the history to, that we got here? Um, and meet, just have fascinating conversations that I wouldn't be able to have if I was just in Charlotte the entire time or wherever I was living at the time. So, and then I think being inspired by nature, being inspired by man-made wonders um, so that I can take back with me to whatever, if it's starting a business, if it's a new idea for content, whether it's a business partner or you know, whatever it is, that is why I want to travel to help sh for my own inspiration, selfishly, to have these amazing conversations, etc. And then to hopefully share ideas and share my energy and share my love with, with people. That would be one, uh, several other reasons why I want to travel across the country and the world. Okay, and then the last thing on your list was about being a good person. Not to be confused with a gooder person, but a good person, yes. a better version of yourself. Yes. So, I don't know, maybe limit this to three sentences. Because this answer could occupy hours, I'm yes. sure. So limit it to three sentences. What does that mean? What does a good person mean? It's okay if yeah. you have four or five sentences. Yes, yes. This is not a hard and fast rule. <laughs> um, a good person is, I think go back to leadership, I would say, actually. It's like putting people, putting relationships over everything else. Putting feelings and like how people feel over how, how you feel. Right. So if, if I, if I remember, if, if people remember me for how I made them feel, then that's the goal, then th that is a good person and hopefully, you know, it's a positive connotation there. So, yeah, All I think right. those three sentences with maybe a couple of run on yeah, phrases. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, uh, a few ands and it was, it was about the, it was, it was about the length that I desired. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, okay. Now, like you said, you want a conversation, right? What about you? Who, who do you want to be? Oh my God. Who do I want to, I want to become Cy awesome, of course. <laughs> I don't know if anyone does. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I, I should have been thinking of a, a really nice, clean answer while you were talking uh, in anticipation of that question. Uh, that did not happen. But who do I want to become? Um, I mean, I want to become someone who has courage, you know, to do what, uh, to do what I feel makes sense for myself, to do what I feel makes sense for others, to not be influenced by what others or societal expectations might, uh, think is the proper course of action, but to do what I believe makes sense. Um, 
I want to be someone who is action-oriented. Ideas are great, talk is great. Obviously, there's plenty of room for that. But I want to be someone who is a little more, um, uh, I guess, maybe motivated to more quickly take action instead of dwelling, sitting and dwelling and trying to excessively strategize in advance. Someone who has an idea and goes for it. And if it fails, it fails. And if I complete you know, the first 10 steps and then I realize that I don't want to proceed to step 11, then that would also be taking action. Um, but being someone who is a little more action oriented. Um, there are certainly things that I want to master, you know, just as you said, and some of them might be more soft skills. Um, you know, like you mentioned time management, that's an area where I need to do better, right? I need to do better with things like exercise regimen, sleep schedule, diet. Um, I don't like the idea of a strict rigidity in a schedule. I know you said, you know, if you're napping for an hour, then do that to the best of your abilities. I don't want I don't want my life to feel like I'm filling in a Google calendar and there are these color coded slots. And if I veer from the color coded slots by 5%, then I've screwed up. But maybe having a few more routines so that it's a little more, so that there can be more structure to be more action oriented in a more reasonable manner. Um, I mean, then there are, there are other skills that I want to uh, develop. For instance, uh, I only speak English fluently. And my Spanish, uh, last time I did anything Spanish related was years ago. But I would like to be multilingual, for instance. Um, I am, you know, a total zero in the kitchen. I would like to be a little more, um, I don't want to say successful, with cooking, but maybe have a, be able to do a, a few more things with cooking, right? There are some just kind of basic life skills, like anything that involves woodwork or repair or fixing cars, I have no idea. I've never changed a tire. I don't know how these things work. I call AAA. Yeah, it's, not, it's probably not something I'm gonna address tomorrow is you know, how to repair the inside of a hood of a car, but you know, I would like to at least have a little knowledge Right. Some some different just kind of good skills to have. Um, you know, those are some other things that I would like. Uh, I would like to become a businessman, you know, someone who is able to provide value for others and in the process be able to make a living you know, for themselves um, someday, not imminent, but within the next decade, I'd like to become a family man. You know, I'm single without kids. I aspire to be happily married to a woman at some point. I aspire to raise kids with that woman um, you know, sometime after marriage. Uh, you know, you talked about traveling. That's something that I thoroughly enjoy and I want to become someone who travels even more. You talked about content creation. Um, I've expressed my interest in content creation in the past. That's something that I would like to become rather um, prolific at doing. Um, you know, you talked about your abilities as a writer, right? That's something that I would like to continue to grow. You know, I would like to become someone who publishes books, who gives public speeches, TEDx talks, things like that, who has, you know, regular podcasts, who's having events that provide value for people. Um, you know, I, I too would say that I'm very relationship oriented, 
right? So that's something that I would continue to like, uh, continue to like, I continue to, you know, maintain and improve and grow with existing relationships while meeting new people and putting myself in a position to build more network um, and more of a network and meet new people that I would not otherwise meet. Um, so I guess there's a lot of, a lot of overlap with what you said. And there are a lot of things that I just listed that I guarantee when we do the, you know, when we do an episode 10 years from now, revisiting how many of these things do we accomplish? I guarantee anything that I just said about cooking or repairing cars will, or, or woodwork will not have happened. But ideally I would like to become someone who's, who's at least semi-competent in those areas. Um, I, I would, you know, when I, years ago when I was, uh, you know, looking at colleges, uh, I have a lot of family in Boston, so I went and visited Harvard and MIT, even though I didn't want to spend uh, my years in the cold weather of the Northeast, so I, I wasn't intending on going there. But uh, I remember that one of the guys at Harvard said that Har they, at Harvard they try to prepare people to be good at a whole bunch of different things and great at one or two things, whatever they're majoring in. Um, now, I would say that I'd like to be great at more than one or two things. And I guess maybe that's the difference between, you know, doing something during part of the year for four years as versus doing something day in, day out for decades. You'll become great at more than just one or two things. But the idea of being good at a whole bunch of different things, I think that that's certainly something that I aspire to, to be, a, you know, more fulfilled person myself and to have more ways of building relationships with other people and providing value for other people. You know, if I'm a better speaker and a better writer and a better planner and things like that, and I'm more organized with my schedule and take better care of myself and, you know, fulfill some of these things that I've talked about, you know, with sleep schedule and diet and exercise regimen, that also sets me up to be able to help more people. So, you know, those things serve multiple purposes. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know where you're going to take it from here. What's do, the difference? Do your best. <laughs> what is the difference between good and great? Yeah. That, that's a good, maybe even great <laughs> question. What's the difference between good and great? I mean, it, it does get murky. And it may be hard to quantify in some areas and easier to quantify in other areas. Um, right. So like maybe if, you know, if someone is nominated for a sports hall of fame and they easily get in without any sort of reasonable dissension, then they're clearly great at that sport. Sorry. They, they are elected to the hall of fame. They are not themselves a hall of fame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. A reference to um, to Matt Calvin's uh, wonderful website. Um, but you know, they're the definition. Of, like we could say, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was a great baseball player, or Michael Jordan is a great basketball player, right? Even if someone is to incorrectly argue that LeBron is better than Jordan. Uh, I don't think that anyone would dispute that Jordan is a great player or that LeBron is a great player. And we could probably say that someone like, um, to continue down the basketball path, maybe Udonis Haslam, you know, since he's in the finals at age, you know, 83 and a half or however old he is. 
Um, but he's a good player, right? He got to the NBA and he has been in the league contributing to winning teams for decades, plural. He is a good player, but he's not a great player, right? So maybe in areas where the skill set is visible on a regular basis and where there's quantifiable data to back it up, that's a little easier to determine, right? Like I mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. as being a great player. You know, Jamie Moyer, who was a pitcher for a number of teams, including the Seattle Mariners, he probably would describe as a good player, right? So you can see that sort of, you know, Harold Reynolds, right? He was a teammate of Ken Griffey Jr. Good player, not a great player. But, you know, he could get on base a little bit. He had some speed on the base paths, made some all-star teams. He's a good player, right? So in things where it's easily observable and there are certain specific goals that you have in mind leading a team to victories, you know, getting hits, scoring points, whatever the case may be, where there's some quantifiable statistics, it is a little more, uh, it's, it's easier to decide, to, to determine something like that. In terms of being a great person versus a good person or being great at some soft skill versus being good at some soft skill, it, it is a little harder. It can be murkier. Um, I guess for the sorts of things where we talk about greatness, right? Some of this is about giving it the maximum effort that you reasonably could. So it's not coming at the expense of everything else that you hold near and dear, but the maximum effort that is reasonable to accomplish that skill or that task, right? So that is greatness. Um, there might be some sort of internal motivation mechanism. Uh, someone could become a great basketball player, for instance, because they're extremely athletic and their parents you know, push them into it, or their neighbors push them into it, or their youth basketball coaches push them into it. But where we are in our lives, I feel like a, a lot of greatness is based on being internally driven and wanting it because we want it, not because someone else wants it, right? So that could be a component of greatness. Um, no, amount of time put in, right? This sort of Malcolm Gladwell notion of 10,000 hours, you know, in order to become you know sort of an expert or or great at something it doesn't necessarily have to be 10,000 hours but there is a time commitment associated with it um this probably isn't the best characteristic to have as a centerpiece but certain level of confidence and um recognition of one's own proficiency um, now people can be confident about things they're not good at right i mean go back to the basketball example you know someone could take uh, you know, 12 threes in a game and make one, right? They're probably not great at it. But like Russell Westbrook, probably. Like Russell Westbrook, exactly. Right, so confidence is not the be-all, end-all. I'm sure that you've heard plenty of people give crummy talks or write crummy articles. In a lot of cases, they're probably confident about their ability, right? But, that, I mean, that is a factor, um, kind of an internal. You guys songwriters? No, no, we're just we're just uh, podcasting right now. I, if I get closer, I say, "Well, hope that was a pleasant interruption. You can edit anything these days." <laughs> but I looked around. Oh, that, is that Simon and Garfunkel of the 2020s decades? Yeah, <laughs> and we realize it's still the same. Kids your age getting out. Do I? I want to be at 60. I want to now do YouTube. I, I, I film the day. See, I wrote, and even it. Yeah. Those little stories, their first time on the post in years ago. I get all that. All I just need is that equipment and someone to go, yeah, you could direct this. And 
dance today in the park. Best band I heard in Savannah in a while. So anyway, awesome. I thought maybe this is a songwriting duo. I thought mm-hmm. maybe that was a guitar. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Well, thank you're you. Right, take, yeah, take care, man. Thank Love you. It. <laughs> you know what? Maybe let's use that as an opportunity. <laughs> let's use that as an opportunity to cut off my rambling response and you can give us your version of good versus great. No, I'm going to keep that in there. <laughs> um, I love it. I mean, that's why we're at the park compared to somewhere else. It's sure. Like, it's casual, right? And profound, hopefully. Y- yes. But so how, how would you distinguish good from great? Because um, I feel like I'm starting to talk in circles. Th- yeah, so for me, good is internal and great is external. So, and good is more of a function of the heart and great is a function of the mind or the hands or, you know, some sort of skill. Um, So to expand on that, to be a good person, I can hold the door open for someone. I can pick up trash and put it in the trash can or I can fire someone empathetically um, or whatever it is right I don't necessarily need to be a great person but if like but if during my uh, what's it called during my eulogy right if someone said I, I would rather be remembered as a good person than a great person because a great person I feel like it's like, oh, this person was like really great. This was, he was a master or she was a master at this skill, like leadership or communication or writing or content creation, whatever it was. Um, So for me, great is, there's a level of validation that's required in the great, the definition of great, where that, an external entity, another person says, oh, wow, you're really great at this. So then you become, so you think you become great, you know? So like there's the good and the great connotations on the same spectrum, I think, which are hundred percent valid, right? Which are like, I think what we were talking about of like Udonis Haslam to a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> and, but then, and there's also the good and great on different spectrums themselves good being on the emotional internal side of who you are as a person and then great being its own spectrum on the um you know like this this the expertness of a skill right so that's that's a different perspective um of i guess yeah that's a different take on good and great that i have there um yeah any no i mean they're right it's it's a different take i mean where i brought up the distinction between good and great it was more based on skills and knowledge which is why i continued down that path right instead of looking at quality of human being and internal versus external perception but i mean i think that's a fair way of dividing those up Mm -hmm. yeah one thing i was thinking about is uh like the, like the hours thing that you mentioned, like Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and I mean, that's not the only one, only way to become great, but um, th- that's one of the reasons why I, uh, 
am resigning and transitioning out of to you laundry right now is to become great. So like, let's say it's, it's good to great in the external sense. I want to become, if I want to become great at coaching, instead of spending three years, or let's say I spent a year doing two hours a day coaching or doing, building the coaching business generally versus one year of like six hours doing that, focusing on that, then I've shortened the timeline by, you know, three X, right? So in that case, the hours spent is the same, or, you know, if it was one year versus three years, um, the hours spent is the same, but then I've just become better at it in a shorter time span. So like, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I left as well. Well, and the, the closer in that your hours are, I didn't phrase that very well, but the closer together, I guess, that your hours are, probably the better that you're going to become as well. I mean, if you do 20 hours of something, right, and it's two hours a day for 10 days, that's probably going to make you better than if you do five hours one day, and then you do five hours another day a year, for, a year later, and then five hours a year later and five hours a year later. Because whatever development you had and whatever growth you had during those five hours almost certainly vanished in the ensuing year. Right. Um, yeah, like, yeah, and, and then there's the whole actual, like, you know, what is the process of learning? How do you learn? Right. You know, spaced repetition, you know, you know, kinesthetic, visual, you know, auditory, et cetera, right? So, like, there's all these other factors that we haven't even scratched, right? Um, like, of actually learning a skill or a, a subject or something, right? Right. Um, one thing that you mentioned was action-oriented, of, like, who do you want to become? What makes you say that? Um, it, that and, and the same connotation of what you asked of me. Right. Of why don't I think I am a good coach, right? Or... You didn't sure, say that. Sure. But, no, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like yes. you know, there have been a lot of times over the years where I've had some idea or I've said there's something I've wanted to do and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't happen or I come up with excuses for why it's not happening. Um, so it's turning more, maybe not more ideas into action in and of itself because I'm sure we all have ideas that are not really worth pursuing. But having more of these ideas that really do interest me, turning them into action in a more timely manner. Mm -hmm. Instead of it just having something that lingers in my mind that someday, 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 well then someday's never gonna come. Someday becomes yesterday if you don't actually do it. Yes. Yeah, I said this, uh, said, I was talking to someone and I said this quote, today, there's no yesterday or tomorrow. It's just a bunch of today's. Yes. <laughs> um, and I was like, damn, I should, I should quote that. Put it on a t-shirt, <laughs> underdog. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, yeah, there, there's no, like, yeah, I think someday, tomorrow, sometime are some so, of the most someday, dangerous words. Right. Someday is never going to happen unless you put something on the calendar and designate it as someday, right? Because someday, it's a great idea right? Someday I'm going to start a business. Someday I'm going to move. Someday I'm going to accomplish this fitness goal or this dietary goal or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. There are all these 
you know, there are all these things that different that people want to do that sounds good in their mind someday. Now, someday doesn't necessarily have to be today. And maybe it doesn't have to be precise as saying someday is, you know, October 18th, 2024. Maybe it doesn't have to be that precise. But there does need to be some degree of provision or some way of holding yourself accountable or some sort of mastermind group uh, where others are holding you accountable. There has to be some sort of either some way of enforcing it with either a time component or an internal component or an external component. Otherwise, someday is not going to happen, right? If it's someday I'm going to become fluent in Spanish, some, but if you don't actually set achievable steps to where that will happen, it's not going to happen. Right, so, so you're right. Someday, so someday is a useful notion in the sense of determining what you, do, what you actually want to do, right? If you say someday I want to own my own business, right? And that's something that over a period of time you continue going back to that as something that someday you would like to do. That's good in the sense that it's not like you know, someday I want to... Um, I don't know, buy the WWE, and then three days later you hate professional wrestling, right? Okay, so like, good. That's you know, someday was a was a fleeting thing there, right? So it's someday is a useful thought experiment to determining what you actually want to accomplish and what you value and what you think would be a good thing to incorporate into your life. But after enough some days, there does have to be a point where someday becomes an actual day or an actual series of days because otherwise it's not going to happen. And then someday is going to pass you by. Mm. Right. So like, you know, you, you've mentioned that you recently quit your job at TU Laundry. Um, as had come up previously on episodes, you know, I've been teaching and I had mentioned uh, when we most recently recorded uh, in Fort Mill, South Carolina, and when we recorded in Houston, uh, but prior to that, each of those episodes within the last five months or so, that I was planning on quitting at the end of the year, and I did. And whenever I talk to my colleagues about my not returning, colleagues at my school or at other schools, um, you know, there are people who are surprised because of how involved and invested I was in the school. Um, you know, there were people who um, thoroughly enjoy their job, right? And, or, you know, they're supportive that maybe it's not the path they would take. But the overwhelming reaction I heard from other teachers was one that almost kind of oozed of, of jealousy or envy. And I know those are different concepts, but it's, it's this notion that they want to leave as well. They want to be doing something else as well. There are things about the job that they don't want to do they're tired of it, they're burned out, they're tired of this bureaucratic issue, this administrator that irritates them, this aspect of planning or grading or whatever. But it's always someday I'm going to do that, right? So they end up in this situation where then eventually there are excuses for why they're not leaving. And then those excuses turn into actual barriers to leaving, like not wanting to uproot, not wanting to uproot kids that are going to the same school, 
or having extensive bills to pay and concern about where they're going to find the immediate money to pay those bills. Um, there become you know, very real difficulties that could be worked around, I'm sure, but make it that much harder. Um, whereas I had always kind of had a target date. Previously, it was going to be at the end of next school year, and it got moved up for a variety of reasons. But I knew that this wasn't going to be a long-term thing. And there, there was a line in the sand day where, okay, beyond that, it's done. Because otherwise you fall into this comfort zone, even if it's an uncomfortable comfort zone, because you know that things are not as they could be. There is a comfort zone. You know what your days look like. You know what your weeks and your years going to look like to where that goal of doing something else someday never happens because you never actually apply the time or enforcement mechanism to someday. Mm. I think we found the title for this. Oh no. What is it? Someday? Some yeah, someday, I think is one option. And then someday is today. Someday, ooh. I like that. Someday <laughs> is today. I have to think about that one. Yeah. It seemed like a book. Yeah. <laughs> underdog put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, the question would be is, is someday one word or two words? I think someday is one word in this instance. Okay. Um, and that's how I want underdog to spell it on the okay. t-shirt. <laughs> Good. Well, we, don't, we don't want... the. We are the last people to be wanting to have any grammatical mistakes. On of anything. course, of course, um, of course. But <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's a great concept there, right? It's like. No, but I mean, how many yeah. times have you heard that phrase or some variation? I, of that I've phrase? used it so many times. I've used it so many times as well. Every, every relative that I've ever talked to for more than five minutes has used it. Every one of my friends that I've talked to yeah. has used it. You know, students use it. Parents use it. Co co-workers use it. Um, you know, ex-students that I've stayed in touch with, you that everyone uses this phrase. And, you know, everyone has some kind of dream or something that they aspire to be, something that they want to do, right? They want to go start a tech company. They want to record an album. You know, they want to be a professional basketball player. You know, everyone has something they want to do. Now, some things are... Um, maybe unachievable by some people, right? I mean, if you go and talk to a thousand people and they all say they want to become the best basketball player in the world, maybe one of those might actually have the athletic attributes and um, you know, the genetics and the athleticism to even be in the range of that being remotely viable, right? So there are some things that are not reasonably achievable. But a lot of the things that people will say when they say, you know, someday I want to start a tech company, someday I want to travel the world, someday I want to publish a book. Most of the things that people say, they, they've kind of weeded out the idea that, okay, they're probably not going to be Paul McCartney, right? Like they've already baked that into the cake. They've already factored that in, yet they don't actually ever find a reason to pursue these very reasonable goals that are attached to this notion of someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, and if you look at like some of the most influential people in history, they've a achieved that status or those accomplishments in like within 25, 30 like years, right. Of them being on the earth. Uh, yeah. Right? It's like, you know, all these people who are, um, even prodigies or not, right? It's like, I mean, you know, by 16, mo by, yeah, I was Mozart, say Mozart, Mozart yeah, yeah. died at a young age. Many of the founding fathers at the time of the Revolutionary War 
which has been a topic of today as we explore as, as we've been Savannah. in Savannah, it has been a topic of today. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people rise to prominence at a very young age. Um, sometimes, you know, extra years assist with rising to greater prominence and stature, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah. There have been plenty of people that have been, you know, world historic figures into their teens or 20s or 30s. On the flip side, right? There's like now since. And that doesn't mean that everyone should aspire to be a world historic figure. That's right. not where we're going with it. Right. It's just about things that you want to pursue that you think would better yourself or better your friends or your family or your community or your network or whatever the case may be actually pursuing those things. Yeah. Yeah, like that. And that comes back to the courage thing that I was saying earlier, having the courage to actually go after doing what you think is right or what you think is best or what you think actually makes sense if you were to sit down and, and actually kind of plot things out. Yeah. Um, then it's like, but so now with longer longevity of like, you know, life expectancy. Longer longevity. Yes, of course. Um, higher longevity and higher life expectancy rates. Yes. Now we have more time to figure that out or to and 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 on that vein you know the life expectancy that we look at is based on people that are in most cases way older than us which is to say who knows what our actual life expectancy is right the average for people that are between you know 18 and 30 right now the average life expectancy is probably not 77 or 78 or whatever right because most of those people are going to be living through decades of what should be tremendous you know, growth and improvement in technology, in medicine. Um, you know, there are more doctors and engineers alive today than at all points in history previously combined. Right. So we don't even know what life expectancy is going to look like by the time we get to our parents' ages, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. The. I guess the point I'm trying to make is. Or, or maybe we do. I mean, Nixon declared yeah. <laughs> war on cancer in the 70s. So no one's heard of cancer since 1971. So, I, uh, yeah, because yeah, that's, that's how that works. It disappeared. <laughs> it's just gone. Yeah. Um, but like w with with a longer timeline, essentially. Right. We are able to figure out these things. We're not constricted to 40 years, 50 years. Right. So we now have the ability to experiment for for 30 years of our life for 35 years and taste some different things right and taste this, some different. this is not 1952 where you graduate from high school or college and you go get that factory job and you work at the factory for 40 years until they give you the gold watch retirement gift with your pension right that that's not the world we live in and maybe that is still functionally the world for some people of a certain generation in certain lines of work but by and large that's just not the world and that world's not coming back and while that might be difficult for people that like to have uh, a sense of comfort day after day, year after year, um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's exciting. There are more ways to make, to make money. There are more ways to interact with other people. There are more ways to travel. There are more ways to see the world. There are more ways to accomplish different goals than ever before. And as people that have the opportunity and are fortunate enough to live in a day and age where that's the case, you know, us and our peers and people of 
all ages, not just our age, should embrace that. Mm -hmm. At least to the extent that it fulfills their purposes and their dreams and their goals. Yeah. What, um, you said things like, I guess, why do you think it is that, let's say, things like the DIY type of things that I also, when you said, hey, how do you fix a spare tire? How to, um, you know, what happens if battery in your car is, uh, is on its last legs? Not, not that that would be affecting the no. person sitting next to me. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and we, we are relying on that to get back to Charlotte. Uh, well, I, I have my own vehicle, so well, you know, if yours breaks down, you can ride it that way. Yes. <laughs> well, um, you'd have to get to the hotel. No, we could we could Uber. Yeah, you could Uber. I have to figure out the car situation. Yes, <laughs> uh, but why why do we not have those skills the way people of previous generations right, yeah. might have? Um, I mean, because we haven't had to have learn those skills. There's skills that would be good to have, but we personally have not had to have those skills. And frankly, I mean, my parents don't have those skills. Do your parents have those skills? Uh, probably a few more than I do. Right. Maybe they have a few more than I do. That's probably true. Um, I mean, we just haven't had to have those skills and we haven't been in a situation where we have to have those skills. I would assume there's an urban rural divide on this question. I would assume that a lot of people in more rural parts of the country do have a lot of those skills. Um, just because of the nature of where they live. Um, you know, I would assume that people in the suburbs, you know, we've primarily lived our lives in the suburbs, um, probably have a few more of those skills than some people in urban areas, right? And I would assume that there's a country to country divide, right? There are probably some places where it's essential that you have those skills to work with your hands and to be, to know what you're doing in those sorts of areas. I think a lot of it is just a matter of circumstances. We haven't had to learn it. We haven't been surrounded by people who are pushing for us to learn it. So we never have done it. I don't think my dad is opposed to me learning you know, how to fix a, a flat tire. I don't think my parents are opposed to me learning how to do woodwork or whatever the case may be. But I've never had to learn how to do those things. Um, you know, having lived in Texas my whole life, there is still very much a contingent, we could say, a sizable percentage of the population in Texas, maybe more so than I was going to say any other state, probably as you get further west before you get to the Pacific Coast, there's a lot of this sort of thing. Like I would guess in Montana and Wyoming and you know, Nevada and states like that, there's probably more of this. But there's still a pretty strong contingent where knowing how to do these things is critical. Right. And if you think about the Texas culture, there is a lot of stuff related to outdoors work, trucks, you know, ranching. Right. The sort of stereotypical barbecue. Right. What do you think of as stereotypically Texan? A lot of that does involve knowing a lot of these tasks. But as we've seen, you know, urban sprawl and urban growth and like neither of my parents grew up in Texas. Right. So, it, you know, they've moved in from elsewhere. I'm a proud Texan, but I've always lived in this sort of uh, coddled suburban environment. So I've never had to get my hands dirty and learn those things in the same way that for a lot of other people, if they're maybe like a fifth generation Texan, maybe they just have always known that because their great granddaddy was essential that he knew it. So he passed it down to their grandfather, to their right. father and so on. Right. So I think a lot of it is just a product of our upbringings, where we grew up and who we grew up around. 
You're smirking like there's some joke coming here. Oh, no, so no, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I, I, yes. I, I just thought of the perfect way to end this episode. So I'll, I'll save it for the end. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I haven't had to learn. Um, yeah, like, you know, flat t- like taxes. Like I've never filed my own taxes before. That's that. Yeah. Um, and that's part of, you know, we just have like a family accountant that we've used. So right. it's like, hey, just send the forms if- into them. And, if your if your yeah. dad filed your own his own taxes every year, you probably would have learned how to do that at some point. Right, and I'm right. sure he has before before we got like accounting. Right. right, right. But I, it's just something that I never learned, never had to learn. Right. I'm sure. Hopefully, I will learn at some point someday. Oh, right. <laughs> Is today. Yes. Probably not for that topic. Probably not for yes. Know, filing Pro- taxes. Probably in March sometime. Yeah, but no, I mean all the uh, time, and I'm sh- I'm sure that this list. Uh, you know, if I were to keep track of these things over the course of a year, it would be way longer than what could come to mind now. All the time, there are things that I see people who are younger than me, less experienced than me, older than me, more experienced than me, whatever box you want to put people in, that they are able to talk about and do so easily and so naturally, where I am completely clueless, and I am so glad I don't have to mess with that task all the time. And it would be useful to be able to do some of those things. Um, but you know, we've never had to, and in some cultures, some parts of the U S and some parts of Texas, um, it's almost like you, you're not a man unless you can fix a car. You're not a man unless you go and hunt a deer. You know, you're not a man unless you can do tasks, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. And some of the, you know, it, for us, it's never been like a rite of passage. It's never been a step towards manhood. Right. So there are things that in our cultures are steps towards manhood and rites of passages and steps towards growing up that we have either learned or experienced or maybe in some cases sufficiently avoided, um, but that we're far more aware of and probably have experienced and learned that people from other backgrounds and cultures haven't. So I, I think a lot of it is just living in these, you know, coddled, maybe coddled isn't the right word, but you get what I'm saying, stable two-parent household familial structures in the suburbs in an era where things are not really done by hand there's a lot much less manual labor where there's a lot more automation living in the digital age in the tech age um, those have all contributed and you know we don't need to have the same skills maybe that our parents or our grandparents needed to have and in some areas we it would probably be extremely beneficial for us to learn those skills on our own in some areas, it's probably a good thing that we never spend our time learning them because it's just not necessary. <laughs> so, I don't know. Where do you want to go from here? I know it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, uh, audience, size chuckling because someone just walked by with a Cavs LeBron 23 shirt and he incorrectly believes that LeBron is the greatest player of all time, but he's not. Oh, this is, I mean, so, I, I couldn't right. have planned this any better. All right. <laughs> You're I the know, one we, that chose we had the, we had the Bill Walton wannabe with, uh, with the yeah. beer shirt and the long hair, wondering if we were the next Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> oh, dude. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> all right. But, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, uh, I think we're coming up on an hour here. Um, yeah. But, like... The, I think the self-sufficiency is also a part of that discussion. Right. Right. Like we don't, well, and I would say the, 
what, what we consider as in, intelligent right is now with like blue collar uh, sorry with white collar jobs right right it's like oh you're not if you're smart then you work in a white collar type of job right and even though there's obviously nothing right. wrong with but if, if i'm in a blue collar job i'm probably pretty dumb by those standards right <laughs> plenty of smart people working blue collar jobs plenty of great blue collar jobs that pay very well yeah i mean something like welding is a job being a welder that underwater is a, or above water yes right <laughs> but i mean no that is a skill that someone can can learn through official channels at a very young age and be getting paid a very good wage from a very young age it's not doesn't by any means say that someone is less intelligent because they choose to become a welder or that that's any less of a path right um you know these sorts of you know manual labor or blue collar type jobs they're fantastic and um i don't know i uh, in, a, in a different environment i'm sure that's what i would have been pursuing who knows maybe i'll still pursue something like that down the road um but yeah i mean for whatever reason there is kind of a societal frowning upon some of it i guess and this notion that those that are more successful academically and uh, maybe identify as intellectually gifted should go in a different direction. Right. So people that have that sort of identification or that sort of inclination, maybe they don't learn a lot of those blue collar skills, but they're extremely important, extremely valuable work. Right. I mean, there's a you know, great country song by Alabama, 40 hour week about, you know, the West Virginia coal miners and the Kansas wheat field farmers and the Pittsburgh steel mill workers and like all of those sorts of jobs. And we'll save the, you know, the whole war on coal thing for, for another day. Right. But someday, yeah. someday, someday. Yeah. But I mean, those sorts of like get your hands dirty type jobs. Yes. A lot of them are being kind of automated out, but there are still a lot of those jobs around and it is critical that people do those jobs how are we going to get food right um and like and that's one of the things i want to keep doing as like as i'm shifting now to more different streams of income rather than just relying on a tradition traditional white collar type of job that's 40 hours per week and getting a salary it's i want to i want to mix in like a part-time job or you know 10 15 20 25 hours probably max um hours a week that i'm doing something with physical labor it may not be, you know, I'm not going to compromise my health. In some cases, it may actually improve right. my health. So yeah, yes. So like with the coal mining example, you know, if you're going into the coal mines for 16 hour days, breathing in that, um, you know, that smoke, that's probably not good for your health. But doing something with your hands where you're mo constantly moving and lifting, that can be good for your health as long as you're not doing it for, 16 hours a day or something that can be great for your health yeah i think so uh, people with those types of jobs are probably less likely to be grossly overweight yeah and like mixing that in in addition to some sort of you know coaching uh writing whatever it is it actually i think provides more of a break and it gets you more experience and so you're able to get the experience of the mental and intellectual stimulation as well as the physical stimulation and labor and you're actually able to skill stack quicker than anyone than other people and over time you'll be i think to bring this kind of full circle it's like becoming a mass jack of all trades master of none it's not just intellectual skills 
but it's also physical skills as well. And that's like what I'm trying to, what I'm, you know, aiming at. And they can very much work hand in hand, right? I mean, if you if you're doing something that maybe doesn't involve the same intellectual output, you can still be, you know, thinking through those sorts of more academic type problems while you're performing that task, right? So they can they can dovetail with each other as well a little bit. Yeah. Any other last questions or last thoughts on your mind before we wrap up here? Um, well, you know, it's, it's great that we're, you know, doing this, uh, you know, where we're not only going to all, let's just call it 50 states for now, but, you know, I appreciate the setting where we actually have something that is specific to Savannah and to Georgia that's at least visible, even if we haven't talked about Savannah a whole lot. Um, so I think that'll be a nice, see, I'm forcing this into the show for future episodes, but I think that's a nice piece. Um, if we can do that moving forward, where we can incorporate where we are uh, in some form or fashion. So it's not just who do we want to become, it's where do we want to go. And, um, yes. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's been awesome having this chat on, on a bench. Yes, now um, I, I th on, a, on a bench, uh, the same way that, yes, For Forrest, that Gump. Forrest Gump yes. Yes, sat on a Savannah bench. Yes, and much like, you know, life being like a box of chocolates, I think casually profound is also like a box of chocolates in, in which that we never know what we're gonna get. Well, and, and before before you wrap up, um, you can explain the context on this once I ask the question, but how many napkins should you use when eating <laughs> That's the right. chocolates in a box of chocolates? Dude, oh man. <laughs> I, I said I was gonna bring this up and it didn't, it didn't naturally come up and for uh, understandably so. I, I mean, I haven't naturally brought up the state of Jefferson or, or Baja, Arizona, or anything like that either, which we were talking about extensively last night. So, all right, talk yeah, to well, us. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have too many digressions uh, this time. I tried I tried forcing a few in, um, but I know I was too disciplined. All right, yeah. Talk so to us about the napkins. Yeah. So so yesterday we went to Tybee Island, um, nice little island off the maybe 20, 30 minute drive from downtown Savannah, and um, we got we got some dinner. Uh, spent some time at the beach, got dinner, and then got some ice cream. And dinner uh, might be a little generous. Yeah, so sorry, term we, we, had we, we had some cardboard. We had some cardboard with some tomato sauce pizza. on it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> some uh, paste masquerading as tomato sauce. Yeah. Yes. Some some cardboard on circles masquerading as garlic yes. cheese sticks or something. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, we had some ice cream. It was good ice cream. Good tasting ice cream. And. Uh, it was just melting and I got a cone, you got a, a bowl, a cup, yes. and it was just melting like nothing else. And we grabbed a few napkins, we grabbed a few napkins, um, a amount that was, uh, that we believed that was enough mm -hmm. um, for, I think I grabbed three napkins, you probably grabbed two, three, four napkins as well. And within uh, 30 seconds maximum of us leaving the establishment, um, it was just dripping everywhere uh, for me as, as well for Adam. And so that's when we started coming up with uh, what ended up being known as. Ended um, up being known as. Yes. Vossum's, I, I, I'm not sure that that's how 
an idea that comes up uh, that came up less than 24 hours ago should be described. <laughs> it, 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 may, is, it may take different forms moving forward. It, it, it was a theorem in the it, moment. It, it, and it, it's, it has it's, since become a law. Okay. Let's, let's go <laughs> so with that. It, it is, it is uh, Vossum's napkin law of ice cream. Um, it is when eating ice cream, the number of napkins you need is n plus one, the number of napkins you actually took. So, we're, we're you know, we ended up getting back. We ended up going back, um, getting getting more napkins and clean up our sticky hands with all the ice cream residue that was stuck on there. Um, but um, I feel like even if we took ten napkins, I feel like we would have been a few, at least one short. Yes. Um, so so that is the new law that we came up <laughs> with in the last twenty four hours and. Um, hopefully, you'll be hearing more about it um, in the rest of our content journey. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I think well, definitely. Be, I, I would oh, definitely. I think I'd be okay if it just ended right there. <laughs> and not trying to force that into another 46 plus episodes. <laughs> um, but speaking of ending, uh, we'll have to end this one. Yeah, um, I know we didn't force in James Oglethorpe or Nathaniel Green or any any of the people that we've learned about while we've been here. Well, we just did. I know, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why I phrase it that way. Well, uh, amazing River Street that we just went down, Broughton Street. Um, Bull Street. Uh, yes. And now um, we're just going to name drop everything that we've done in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Thank so you, Joe, for touring us um, and providing a 90-minute yes. history meeting, lesson. Meeting at Johnson Square. Yes, meeting at Johnson Square. And going to the bunch of other squares, including the one that Forrest Gump sat on in Chippewa Square. Chippewa Square, yes. 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 Um, and Monterey Square as well. Yes, uh, Madison Square. Yes, teaching us about Tomochichi. Tomochichi, yes, yes. the Miko of the, the... the Gordon family. Yes, we learned about them. I, the, I, the Yamakura tribe. I, I did already know that Juliet Gordon Law was the uh, founder of. The oh, but then Eli Whitney there. connection as well. The right, the connection between Nathaniel Green and Eli Whitney. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you guys have to come here to Savannah, get a tour from uh, Joe or anyone else that's here. But Joe's pretty solid. Yeah. Free, free Savannah tours. Joe's yes. Solano, I think. Okay. Um, but yes. So, anyways, uh, we're just rambling at this point. So we are. Yeah, yes. Yes. Please save us. Um, so, thank you for listening to another all episode right. of the Casually Profound series. Thank you, Adam, for driving out all the way from Houston. Safe travels to you onto Maine. Um, yes. And beyond. And hopefully 45 more. So wait, 46. Sorry, at, this is the fourth one. At least 46 more episodes. Sorry, okay, yeah, at least 46. Definitely 46 more states. And whether the next one is, I, I would guess Kansas is our most, most likely spot for the next one. But I mean, some other reasonable contenders would seem to be Tennessee, Virginia, Louisiana, Missouri. Those Oklahoma, the, potentially. Oklahoma. Those are probably the most likely options. Arkansas. Yeah. Um, so you'll probably see us in one of those states yes. in the next time. We'll, and we'll see. Yes, we'll see where we go next. But um, yeah, this is uh, th- thank you. And uh, this will be fun as we continue the Someday is Today series, which is also part of the Casually Profound series. On the which Size is part Eyes of podcast. the Size Eyes podcast. Yes. All right. This is goodbye. Um, peace. <laughs>